everybody, and welcome to Let's, Let's Get Civil. I'm Cassie. And I'm Alex. And today we are going to be talking about the upcoming Civil and Environmental Engineering Career Fair. For those listening when the podcast comes out, UC Davis, ASCE, and Chi Epsilon are coming together to host the annual Civil and Environmental Engineering Career Fair on Monday, October 30th, and Tuesday, October 31st, from 10 a.m. to 3 p.m. in the ARC Ballrooms. With over 30 companies attending, it is definitely an event that you do not want to miss. However, going to a career fair can be daunting and overwhelming, especially for first-timers. You may have questions about what companies are looking for or how to improve your resume, so we are here to break it down for you. And here to help us is WebCore Senior Project Engineer and former UC Davis Aggie, Evan Toe. Hi. Um, <laughs> tell us a little bit about yourself, Evan. Yeah, so um, for some background, I graduated UC Davis in 2019, so uh, just over four years ago, I got accepted as an economics major uh, when I was a first freshman, but over the course of my summer break after high school, I decided that I wanted to make that transition into civil engineering for a few reasons. Uh, one being, I felt like a lot of the skills that I had developed in high school uh, were much more applicable toward an engineering degree. Um, not to rag on other engineering majors as well, but I also felt like civil engineering had the most friendly and communicative and more engaging individuals compared to some other majors that I was deciding uh, to pursue. And the last little bit is, you know, everyone grows up playing roller coaster tycoon and, you know, building that bridge. And so kind of took that video game experience and wanted to translate that into the real world. Oh, true. Civil engineering, best major, best thing you can do. For sure. You know, people people give us a hard time about not being actual engineers, but people live in our work every day. And, you know, that's amazing in my mind. Yeah, yeah. exactly. I mean, I've heard time and time again uh, what you said. Civil engineering is a really friendly community. And it's really easy to meet other people and get involved in clubs, which is why I'm, I really enjoyed it as well. Yeah, so you kind of touched on it a little bit, but how did you first become interested in civil engineering? Yeah, um, I guess I got accepted as an economics major, right? Um, Davis was actually the only UC I had been accepted to at that time. And it was kind of the move for me to come out here. I love the campus and um, I guess pivoting back to the civil engineering aspect. My background in high school was a lot of calculus, a lot of math and sort of STEM oriented coursework compared to what I thought I wanted to do was going into finance and kind of being a business-oriented major, I felt that I could apply myself more technically in that way. And so that's why I transitioned to engineering, specifically civil engineering in the first place, so that I could contribute to society in a better way compared to just, you know, going into finance and business. Yeah, definitely. I think I had a similar background of doing a lot of like science and math courses in high school and being like, okay, what can I do with this? Like, I hate biology and anatomy, so not going to be a doctor and kind of like ended up whittling down to engineering. And um, I think definitely civil is especially really interesting because it's everything around you, like all infrastructure is civil engineering. So it's so applicable um, that, it, yeah, it's just really interesting. Actually, as an undergrad, I was the second peer advisor for the department. So back in the day, I guess it wasn't too long ago, but I was 
essentially guiding a lot of my peers through figuring out what aspect of civil engineering they wanted to pursue. And I'm sure a lot of your listeners know, and you too as well, but the major is a general degree. Civil engineering covers, in this case, right, five different breadths of coursework throughout the last two years of your undergrad degree. And you get to decide what you want to do more of and what, what you want to do less of, or maybe even finding a happy balance. So there's so many different paths that you're allowed to take depending on what you know, gets your blood going every morning when you wake up. So that's what I also thought was really cool about the degree compared to something that had more focus, I guess. For sure. It's nice to be able to choose your own path, even though within the major, or there's a great option to like switch paths if you find something you like better, right? Mm -hmm. For sure. Um, so did you do you feel like your experience as a peer advisor helped you in the workplace? Uh, yes and no. Um, I think I was always naturally a really open and friendly person on campus, especially in the program. Not I, I guess I wasn't specifically involved in ACE or any academic clubs, but as far as showing up, in class went, um, definitely had a good number of peers throughout. And, you know, the, the visits that I did get from students that don't necessarily go to the main advisor, I think, I think it's still Rachel. Um, they, it, it's nice when you kind of see the perspective of other students and you can you can help them find their way and it helps shape your perspective on what you want out of the degree as well so it's it's a mix i think that i already knew what i wanted but seeing students and helping them pursue their degrees right and helping them graduate on time kind of reaffirmed my own beliefs and what I wanted to do and what I wanted to get out of the, the, the degree itself. Yeah. I think there's definitely something to be said about like, I guess like skills you can't really like put a name to. Like, I feel like something like peer advising is definitely like a skill of like being able to communicate with people and like solve like difficult problems. And I think it's definitely like, as you probably still develop skills that you still use today. Um, but I don't know. Where I, was that. <laughs> I, I would qualify that, you know, as a department, we probably have the strongest soft skills of all of the College of Engineering, in my opinion. Obviously, it's a little biased, but the... This, this is the this is the Gen Z thing to say. All the the vibes are just too good. The the vibes are too good in civil engineering. That that's what I would say. Yeah, I'm an RA right now, and I feel like <laughs> definitely like like I feel like I'm really developing my like problem solving skills because yeah. I get like, woken up at like two a.m. and suddenly I have to make whatever like happen, and I have to be the calm one and in control. So definitely like for sure. Learn. I feel like learning like those people skills, problem solving skills, and just like general skills are like underrated. I think we push a lot of like go do academic things, but I think those other skills are definitely still important. Um. Okay. So, how did you get your first internship, and what type of things did you like do during that internship? Like, what duties did you have? This is actually a really funny story. Um, my dad was. It, on campus for, I believe it was the winter engineering career fair. He is an engineer or a test engineer for a 
defense company that recruits on campus. Uh, their name is Cobham. Um, and he basically texted me and was like, hey, I'm going to be at the fair. You should come visit the booth. <laughs> and I was at that point, I was a freshman, actually, or no, not freshman. I was a sophomore going into my junior year. So looking for a sophomore year internship. And he said, you should stop by the booth. But tangent to that, I know you have a resume, you should bring it and at least mingle with a few of the booths out there that are civil engineering oriented. Um, bit of a tangent to that first internship, uh, the civil engineering degree as a whole is actually more oriented toward design and consulting. Um, people forget that we have a construction management minor as a part of the degree. I didn't really know I wanted to go into construction management at the time, but WebCore was one of those booths um, at that career fair. And I just swung by, uh, chatted up the uh, people there, and we immediately hit it off, I think that they at the time and they expressed this were looking for more young recruits because that gives them that gives companies more time to vet students throughout the timeline of their undergraduate career rather than a student who is perhaps a junior going into senior year only has one opportunity to try one company and either it's a bust or they end up being rock stars and you know want to get that full-time offer for their senior year and so it was um, a good opportunity for the both of us because I was so early compared to a lot of my peers at the time. And so they were willing to take a risk on me at that point because I was really deliberate with the way I communicated. They even gave me the offer before doing my one-on-one -on -one interview because the level of risk with internships actually is pretty low for companies, right? They, you're not getting paid in the same way a full-time employee is getting paid, right? You're kind of, it's a, it's a test run for everyone. And so um, it, it worked out in, in more ways than one. Interestingly enough, that first internship, it, uh, it got me on the hook. I, my first project was at the new Apple campus in Cupertino that they were building in 2018. Um, most notably known for it, they called it the UFO or the disc. So I was not building the UFO specifically. I was actually on their research and development building on campus. And my roles and responsibilities were actually, um, it was subcontractor management um, in the field. It was supporting my project manager at the time with uh, assessing the contract documents or construction drawings and asking what they call in the industry request for information. That is a clarification to your construction drawings um, and essentially evaluating the constructability of what is designed um, for the building and how you sequence that work um, and make it into a reality. Uh, the other big task that I had was these buildings have what they call raised access floor. In typical buildings, you actually have most of your 
uh, heating, AC, plumbing, and electrical, and your sprinkler is actually all overhead or in ceilings. At these Apple buildings, all of their kind of core systems for the building were actually underneath the flooring. So you have this, so you have all your core systems and then you install the raised access floor. And from there, you have to do what they call plenum testing or rather testing for pressure um, within the building. And the goal was to achieve a certain pressure value, which essentially confirmed that your building was airtight and you're not losing heating or cooling um, while it's on uh, and it's not steeping outside of the building. And so that was another role of mine. We came up with a lot of innovative ways to find holes in the building. Uh, put simply, it involved a lot of, uh, and this is actually really convenient because it's Halloween, it involved a lot of fog machines from Spirit of Halloween. We would put fog machines under the raised access floor, uh, leave the fog machine for 15, 20 minutes, uh, pull the fog machine out, and then blow a massive fan into the floor. And you could find the fog seeping out of different locations where you have holes essentially and are losing pressure. And so that was one of the innovative ways that we kind of achieved our testing criteria. Wow, that's incredible. So it sounds like you had a lot of responsibility for your first internship position. Was that, was that kind of intimidating or do you feel like very confident going into the process? For me, I think I just kind of ran with it. Uh, the nice thing about Webcore as a company is the amount of freedom that I received, even as an intern, um, to, to grow within my own role. Um, obviously, the full-time employees and, you know, the superintendents and the managers, they assess you know, your ability to work in a professional environment. And they kind of, they definitely ask you, they asked me at least like what I wanted out of my three months there. And my response was simply, I wanted to be a sponge. I wanted to learn as much as I could um, in that three month span. And my workload was moderated in a way that uh, I eventually was able to handle a process like I just described and managing the trades to perform the fixes I needed them to perform while also managing my own time and getting into the weeds um, and solving the problems in that way, which I felt me personally was much more fulfilling compared to pursuing a design and consulting related uh, career. And so I ended up staying with general contracting and project management because I was able to apply the problem solving skills that I was learning in class, right? With group projects and all of that, jazz and the technical aspects, right, that you get from coursework and using it in a more real world way, which I feel that as a degree, we don't really get and there's not a lot of opportunity to do it. So getting that first internship, whether it is in design and consulting or project management, the application is way more important than I guess like what you're truly learning in a way not to rag on classes in general but um 
that's my take. Yeah, definitely. I think especially since like both Alex and I are only in our second years and we're still just taking a lot of math and physics, it's hard to be like excited about it when it's just like your basic like foundational classes. Um, but I feel like definitely like knowing like what you're working towards is really motivating and knowing that like you you're gonna like what you're doing in the future but you have to know this first I feel like helps helps you get through those definitely I totally agree yeah and it definitely sounds like your internship was really helpful in not only gaining experience but also deciding what you wanted to do as a career right because you obviously really enjoyed the type of work you were doing so you decided to stick with that versus per se like design and consulting side yeah um pivoting from civil engineering I was actually on uh, UC Davis triathlon all four years and I'm a really active and outdoorsy person like a lot of people at Davis right and I realized I didn't want to be at a desk um, my entire I guess like adult life and going the construction management route enabled me to find this happy medium of you know, being in the office and understanding documents, and then it ended up being a pretty good match. Yeah, it's definitely good that um, your kind of first internship, like, ended up kind of fitting what I guess you were looking for, and like, it ended up, um, yeah, just being a good fit. Um, so looking forward to the career fair we have coming up, um, do you have any recommendations for students that are looking for internships at career fairs, whether it's like the dress code, uh, what to put in your resume, tips for talking with recruiters, stuff like that? Okay, uh, we'll, we'll go down the list. Dress code. Um, I can't specifically speak for design and consulting, but from a construction management point of view, I think that business casual is you are not showing up in sweats and a t-shirt obviously that's super casual business casual to me is you put on maybe nice jeans definitely a button-down shirt and you are wearing closed toed shoes of some kind i think that business casual can also mean you are not necessarily dressing to impress, but rather dressing tastefully. I That's such a subjective way to describe it. But in my few years of recruiting, I feel that I do get impressed by students who suit up to come to these fairs. It shows that they woke up that morning and had a plan and you know are there to get that first internship but I also appreciate when there are students who you know might not necessarily have the financial capability to buy a suit and really just dressed up a little bit if that makes any sense am I Am I describing that in a way that makes sense? Yes. Like if you wore a polo and not like black pants, that's great. That's business casual to me. That's what I wear to work every day. Um, the listeners can't really see on camera right now, but I'm wearing like a t-shirt with um, like a collared over jacket, like an overshirt right now. And I think as like a recruiter, I I would be okay with that. Like as long as you have a collar on, that's perfect. Collar, closed toe shoes, pants. That that's where I'm drawing the line. <laughs> yeah, and at least for me, like I my go to is just a pair of dress pants and a button up shirt. I have like two different button ups that I rotate through. Yeah, I would even say. Oh, also, I think like we're talking strictly for men it's 2023 uh for the ladies out there right you can go the shirt and pants route that's all cool but I know we definitely appreciate like the dress or 
skirt or, you know, something more on, I guess, the feminine side too. Whatever makes you feel good and professional, right? Like that should be what you're wearing. Yeah, definitely agree with feeling professional. Like I feel like you also like wearing something nice makes you like feel more confident walking in a career fair versus whatever pajamas you were just wearing and like roll out of bed in. That's right. Yeah, I remember my first career fair, I was wearing a, a dress shirt that was way too small. So I was so uncomfortable the whole time. So like, I couldn't like perform at my best. And I, that's a great point. Like I, once you're more comfortable, you're also more confident. You're able to connect with people better, I feel like. Look good, feel good. That's what you should be going with. That's a great, great motto to live by. <laughs> yeah. Tips for talking with recruiters. Number one thing for me is your tone of voice and the kind of questions you ask. Uh, body language is really important, especially on the project management side. And I think uh, it is for design and consulting as well. But you know, looking your recruiters in the eyes, being intentful with how you are asking questions about the company, because we're not just interviewing you, you should be interviewing us as well. It, it's a two-way street. And so we definitely appreciate when students are being proactive about how they converse with us and how the conversation flows. Um, I would say that uh, a good tip is, you know, maintaining eye contact. Uh, one little tip and trick that I learned recently about talking in the professional world is if you breathe in, you actually talk quicker, right? Because you've inhaled and you're kind of like holding your breath and so you're talking faster. But if you were to talk after your exhale, right? You've exhaled, I'm breathing out, hold up like. And now you can talk slower because you've just breathed out. So trying to figuring out how to pace yourself throughout conversation so that you can come across you're too anxious or wait. And we understand that you're nervous and anxious and communication is an ever-growing skill that we as people are going to be learning for the rest of our lives. Um, I guess it's important to pick up skills that help you be a better communicator in general, right? That helps you throughout life. And that's just one of the skills that I learned recently that could potentially help you when you're talking with recruiters. Okay, so I guess second question down the list was uh, what you should have on your resume. Rule number one that I learned, and I'm still learning how to do this, is I like to live by the KISS rule, K-I-S-S, which is keep it simple, stupid. And I think that I've seen a lot of resumes that definitely get lost in the sauce per se. And it's a lot of information for a recruiter to, to absorb in the short minute, right? That they are talking to you. And so I would say the number one thing about your resume is keep it brief. Uh, it should be one page. Um, you should be able to fit it all on Microsoft Word. You don't need anything fancy. It should be sweet, short, and to the point. Um, for the listeners out there, I did find the resume, the the old the old resume, and uh, we're just gonna go down the line here. I've just got first and last name all caps, cell phone number, email that you want them to use when contacting you, uh, education, your GPA, uh, 
a lot of students I remember asking during peer advising, asking me during peer advising was, should I put my GPA on my resume? I would qualify that if it is greater than a 3.0, put it on there. If it is, you know, 2.8, 2.7, and you're feeling really confident, by all means, go for it. Uh, if you get asked about it, you can definitely qualify that, right? Um, if you're flirting with the low twos, I might be more inclined to leave it out just because that begs more questions from recruiters. And it also calls into question your cre credibility and your work ethic in class. Um, so that's education, GPA, skills. Uh, I had my technical skills first, all the programs I knew at the time and picked up. Um, in this case, for students, um, I normally look for MATLAB, even though I don't really use MATLAB. I don't think a lot of companies use MATLAB, but they like to see that you're taking those technical courses or perhaps even finding courses or finding online coursework to help teach you how to use AutoCAD, Revit, uh, 3D modeling or 2D modeling type uh, programs. And you can kind of pick that up on the side. And then obviously we love to see the Microsoft Office. Uh, that's a typical one. I would really hope that students know how to use a spreadsheet, a PowerPoint presentation, and obviously a Word document. Um, so that's hard skills, technical. Soft skills, uh, your ability to communicate, your interpersonal and public speaking skills, how good you are communicating your ideas and your ability to be inclusive, be an ally and be supportive in the work environment. Nowadays, at least in the civil engineering industry, soft skills are so important and companies would pick a team player who might not be as technically literate, but is able to support the team in whatever they need rather than someone who is more technically literate, but is not a team player. There's no I in team. That's the cliche, I guess. And then another soft skill, being flexible, being able to adapt, having your critical thinking skills and being able to respond to uh, problems in a calm, logical and timely manner. Sweet. Moving down the list, relevant experience. Right now, uh, this is uh, my, I guess, 2021 resume that we're looking at here. But, you know, as recruiters, we don't really expect you to have all that much relevant experience, but we do expect that you are engaging in something right that you can speak to which helps qualify the skills that you outlined above in your resume and uh one thing that i would really like to give a shout out to is the internship and career center on campus they should still be on the main quad uh reina smarkle who was the old civil engineering advisor, is a wonderful advisor in the ICC that I believe she is still doing uh, advising for engineering majors and can offer all the resources in how to express your experience throughout your high school career, what part-time jobs you had, what you did at those part-time jobs, and qualifying that in a way that it ties in with your soft and perhaps uh, technical skills. Cool. Yeah, definitely would recommend the Internship and Career Center. And yeah, um, also um, for people going to our upcoming career fair, I know 
at the UC Davis career fair, we have um, like the option to submit your resume online. And I think all the recruiters get access to like all the resumes that are submitted. Um, but in general, do you think that people should be bringing like physical copies of the resume to career fairs or? I know personally as a company, we're not doing physical copies. We do want students to upload to Yellow. Um, I can't speak to other companies, but Webcore, for us at least, we want to see the uh, digital first if you were already planning to visit our booth. But if you show up to the career fair with a hard copy, snapping a photo is just as easy and uploading it to Yellow in that way. So uh, I would bring a hard copy if you know we're kind of the out-of-pocket booth that you didn't intend on visiting. Uh, just so we can look at the resume, I guess, in real time, because it's not uploaded to Yellow. But as far as taking that resume, we are not going to be taking hard copies. We're just going to snap the photo um, and upload it to that. So a question I've heard from other people is, as a recruiter or someone who's been at career fairs recruiting for interns or full-time hires, do you think that candidates should do an elevator pitch, kind of pitch themselves to the recruiter, or rather just start off trying to with an organic conversation. Aaliyah and I, who will be recruiting next Tuesday, are definitely more fans of organic conversation in the sense of we come into these career fairs with our own questions that I guess in a way, students aren't mentally thinking that they're interview questions, but we use these questions to help prompt uh, their elevator pitch in a way, if that makes sense. I don't really, we don't really need to hear your 60 second pitch, right? Because that feels very rehearsed, very mechanical in a way. And the two of us at least appreciate much more fluid dialogue. And I think that also helps in the comfort level of students when they are talking to us, because we understand that we can be really intimidating and we try not to be. And that natural questioning in a way helps facilitate the elevator pitch. A little better right that makes sense it's better to have it come organically come out rather than having it pre-rehearsed or like in their in their head i guess so i i think like a nice thing to do and this was when i uh came up on my second internship i actually didn't intern with webcore again just so i could see what another general contractor was like but uh in the back of your head have scenarios in your mind that are related to how you problem solved, how you were a good communicator. Um, those ideas or those memories in your in the back of your head, those memories in the back of your head can go a long way because you are able to speak to the questions that we're asking you um at the fair yes for sure that's a that's like actually that's a great answer and like some great insight into what you're actually what is being looked for i did want to ask i've also heard a lot of questions about this especially for first timers going to the career fair um without the elevator pitch how would you suggest people or uh students start a conversation with the recruiter besides you know just asking because you don't want to necessarily start off with, oh, what is your company about? Because that might not show that you didn't look into it before. Or how would you suggest prompting a conversation with the recruiter? We get a lot of prepared. The, like I would say 95% of the students are always really prepared. I would say for someone who is a first timer at the career fair, at least, right? Um, a simple bubbly high is really nice. And just being honest, uh, honesty goes a long way and expressing that you are new 
to the game and you might have done some homework and you definitely didn't do all of it and you're here to learn and being open about that uh, I think recruiters also really love as well because it shows that you're being vulnerable um, in a professional setting especially because you are that first timer and you don't really know what you're doing and you're trying to navigate through something that is very daunting to a lot of people so being honest I would say is probably the one thing as you know abstract as that might be yeah I definitely agree with that I know at my first career fair which was the same career fair just last year I, I was like very upfront of like I'm a first year I barely just got here like I don't know what I'm looking for I don't even know if I want an internship I'm just here to talk to people and most recruiters are very nice about like I guess like helping you out with whatever like you're looking for to get out of your experience at a career fair. Um, so, yeah. We've been in your shoes too. I think students forget that. And it might see like, we've come so far, right? In our professional careers. And that might be why we seem so practiced and so professional but that's because we are practiced and professional um, and we understand that at least for newcomers that's not the case not everyone gets the same level of experience or is born with the same you know social abilities as everyone else but we all learn how to be professional over time Wow, that's a really insightful response. It's kind of nice to know, <laughs> kind of nice to know that you, you know, you didn't just start as like polished or professional as you are. It's that you had to work towards that. That's that's actually very reassuring. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so I guess to kind of move on from uh the career fair and more towards your career at WebCore. Since you've been working at WebCore for the last four years, what do you like specifically about WebCore that people may not be able to find elsewhere? What I've appreciated about WebCore, and this is specifically the projects that I've been on, is, and we touched on this about my internship, but it's the level of freedom that I've been able to exercise while learning and improving on both my technical literacies and also my soft skills. The amount of uh, mentorship that I've been able to get from my now manager, my previous managers is boundless. I am eternally grateful for the amount of constructive feedback that I've received in these four years and the level of trust that the company at least tries to embody with its employees on being able to make the correct decisions, no matter how difficult they may be, and being empowered to do that within the team. Um, that would be the main thing that has kept me at WebCore for the last four years. The level of camaraderie I've been able to experience is incredible it's almost as if i'm back at davis on the club sport you know doing triathlon again but you know building buildings instead yeah it's definitely good to have a workplace where like you feel excited to go into work every day and like enjoy your coworkers and being at work and um it's not it's not a job that you like despise i guess I did not despise your job. One thing to qualify about uh, project management and construction as a whole, we start early and we have late days. Uh, I've been up at two, three in the morning pouring concrete. Uh, I get up at 4.35 every morning so that I can work out first and then be at work at 6.30. And some days 
I'm there until like 3.30 or 4. That's like, I guess, a normal eight-hour day with our lunch. Um, but other days, I might be there until like 8 at night because something went wrong um, and we need to fix it. So there's highs and lows with construction management specifically, but it's also very rewarding. It's very tangible. Um, yeah. Yeah. Um, so with working at WebCore, um, what has been your favorite project that you've been a part of? Unfortunately, this one, there's not as diverse of a pool as I would like to talk about in a way. I've only ever really been on three projects in my entire career. I've only been working for four years in the industry. I would say uh, my favorite project was my previous one, which was Bay Meadows Station 5. It is a three-floor below-grade parking garage in San Mateo, and it has five floors of uh, office space in, um, I guess, above grade. And that was the job where I was the sole engineer uh, supporting my project team. I managed all of our documents um, and also later on got to manage my own scopes. I would say that I'm a pretty good uh, site work slash landscape minded individual now. Got to pick the trees that went on the job, the, sh the shrubs, the bushes, the grass all of it, it, it was quite the experience. And also being able to see the project come alive from the ground up, digging, putting that first shovel in the ground. And then two to three years later, through COVID, seeing a completed building that you can take the Caltrain, you know, into San Francisco, and you would see that building. Um, I would say that, I guess, like, it's my only project that I've ever been on full-time, and that's my favorite project, because it's the only one. Um, the project that I'm on now is fulfilling in a different way. Uh, I'm currently managing quality control and inspection with um, the, off the Office of Safety and Health. Oh, geez, sorry. Rewind. Currently managing quality control and inspection for the Santa Clara Valley Medical Center's Behavioral Health and Services Center, which is going to be the first mental health center specifically for children in the Bay Area. It's kind of a big deal in the news, I think. Um, Mental health is super important. It's really tough work. Uh, there's a lot of bureaucracy involved, but again, waking up in the morning and going to bed at night is remembering that eventually, you know, this, this is going to be a facility that the community in a different way compared to office space for a future tech company. So again, validating in different ways, uh, favorites in different ways as well. Yeah, this is a really interesting project to be working on. Um, you mentioned with your previous project that was kind of like through COVID. Um, so how would you say like WebCore handled the pandemic with like construction stopping and stuff and just also like how the construction industry in general like respond to the pandemic? Interestingly enough, I think as California, we, the construction industry definitely took a bit of a hit, right? But I believe, if I recall correctly, uh, Governor Newsom approved construction for uh, necessary facilities, i.e. hospitals, uh, public health. Uh, there was a specific range of buildings that fell under 
that window throughout the March to, I guess, June that uh, we were on lockdown. So I went home for March to June, but then in June, when those restrictions were lifted, I went straight back to work. Uh, I'm definitely very appreciative of my team for being able to establish a working schedule and a safe environment um, to keep performing my duties. Construction, right, is a very in-person job. So we were all masked. Uh, there were these dollhouses, these dollhouse sort of partitions in the trailer uh, that you could see the person. I guess like it's like the the little stanchions that you see at the grocery store sometimes when there's that you know clear plastic uh, cover between you and the cashier. So it was a lot of that with masks on. We also implemented a hybrid schedule where you know one half of the team is there in the morning to start the day. Uh, me as an engineer, I was kind of in the middle so that there would be overlap with the morning team and then the sort of afternoon evening team. So uh, we had that in place as a man uh, on the management side. From the field side, every worker was required to check in and do a temperature scan the morning that they showed up to work. If they were experiencing any symptoms, they were immediately turned away. Um, if someone tested positive, we were essentially able to backtrack who they were around because they had to check in every morning. Um, and so there were measures in place that allowed us to keep working even when us individuals perhaps tested positive for COVID because we could track who they were exposed to and then from there send those people home and then monitor anyone else. Yeah, it's definitely good to hear that you guys like handled it well and were able to adapt. Yeah, it's very impressive how even in that tough time that the company was able to find measures to keep the construction going, I guess. Or to keep projects going. We're always looking for new, engaging, and I guess gung ho talent. Um, Webcore as a company is very uh, Cal Poly, slow, dominated. The Aggie representation is definitely waning, um, but we are small and mighty. My current boss is an Aggie who graduated, he's 35 now, 13 years ago. So we the roots run pretty deep. So I would say definitely come through to the table. Uh, the vibes will be good. We'll have swag. And I'm sure you would love to talk with us, whether it's about work or about how to get through college because we did that. Yeah, definitely you've talked a lot about different aspects of Webcore. So for the people listening, if and if anything about Webcore interests you or you just want to stop by and say hi to Evan and let him know that you heard him on the podcast, definitely stop by and uh chat with them. Um okay, and I think our last question is that um we kind of like common, commonly receive the question of how having a master degree can affect your career in civil engineering in construction. Um, so how do you feel about whether or not you should get a master's degree um, for civil engineering? Okay, so this, this can kind of get into an in-depth sort of question and I will go in depth because of my peer advisor roots. Engineering firms, if you are a student who wants to go into the structural or geotechnical path, the master's is almost near required uh, to land that entry-level engineering job. Um, 
the same can be said for, excuse me, the same can be said for water resources. Um, not as much compared to geotechnical and structural, but can definitely help you land a better role if you decide to go the civil engineering design consulting route. Environmental and transportation, I would qualify that I have not seen a lot of master's degrees uh, out of those types of students who decide to go that path, mainly because the skills that you learn in undergrad for those types of roles don't necessarily require master's degree coursework. Just to preface as well, a master's degree is essentially a way for you to obtain more in-depth knowledge than you already had during your undergraduate for a specific breadth of study. And I'm sure you would eventually understand if you looked into Davis's civil engineering masters um, for all five breaths that you can really get into the weeds on those five different topics if you're looking for more knowledge in that way. So in general, if you want to go into design and consulting, I highly recommend pursuing the master's. It opens a lot more opportunity for you on the professional side. Um, especially in the structural and geotechnical realm. Um, for the other three, I would qualify that it's not normally required. Um, I would, though, however, recommend that all students uh, pursue their EIT while they're in school. I think it's talked about at length during your four years in undergrad. Um, I, I actually my IT the first time because I waited until after I finished my degree and then I went off and frolicked for summer, decided that I still had the knowledge, definitely didn't. And I needed to spend like another three months studying for the EIT before I had it. And so I would recommend uh, an EIT more over the masters um, just because it's less investment in that way. And I guess kind of veering topics, but uh, take yeah. the EIT masters depends on what kind of career path you want to go. If um, we didn't really talk about construction management, um, I have my masters in construction management but that is only because my bachelor's degree is in civil engineering. The construction management minor does cover some topics that are related to construction management, but the master's I decided to go for because it gave me more exposure to the industry that I would not have been exposed to otherwise on an active project because those things that you learn in the masters might not necessarily be a part of your role and responsibilities. So the masters for construction management, not necessarily required to succeed in the industry, but definitely helpful. I think that answers the question. Right. Yeah. If I recall correctly, you got it. You got your master's this past year, right? In June. Yeah, I uh, I got to walk in June at the University of Washington. It was an online master's that I took over the course of two years for one year worth of coursework. The company actually uh, helped me financially with that, um, and so. 
I was able to work full time and then do, I guess, night school over the two years and balance my workload in that way. Um, and it was actually pretty manageable. Um, definitely had some somewhat sleepless nights, but overall, uh, I think it was a worthwhile experience. And I get to call myself a master now. So, you know, who, who doesn't want that? Exactly. Congratulations. That's a big achievement. Yeah, thanks. You yeah, definitely props to you for both working full-time and getting, getting your degree. That's definitely hard to do. We'd like to give a big thank you to Evan for coming on today to, just, to share some of his insight into his career journey and how students can make the most of their career fair experience. Yes, and thank you to all of our listeners. We hope that this episode was helpful, especially for those of you planning to attend a career fair for the first time. Hopefully you all have a better idea of what companies are looking for and what internships actually look like day to day once you get one. Good luck at the career fair, Aggies, and see you next time on Let's, Let's Get, get Civil! <laughs>